But we're uh, privileged to have with us today uh, a friend of mine, uh, Mark Holmes, missionary to Nigeria. And I just want to share with the church family a little bit of history I have uh, with uh, Brother Mark and uh, with his uh, wife Sabrina and, and Sabrina's family. Uh, as a boy, I grew up in the southeast and I went to a in summer missionary institute. I hesitate to call it a camp because there's nothing campy about it. Uh, but it wasn't a place where teenagers went to swim or have fun. It was a place where we went to work and learn how to minister. And my heart to minister to people began just as a small boy. And uh, we would go to this in Louisiana every week. And the church that hosted it was the church that Miss Sabrina Holmes grew up in, Central Baptist Church. And uh, we, um, I got to know her family quite well. Her, uh, Sabrina here has a brother named Daniel. Daniel is a pianist for a large church out in California, one of the best pianists I know or have ever heard. does a great job with that. But um, I spent a lot of nights uh, sleeping in the homes, or rather the, let's see, the Hopkins household. Uh, uh, but Sabrina was out in college already, and, and she would come home, and, and I'd see her at a distance, and always just admired the heart that she had for God. And then years later, I had the chance to get to know her husband, a brother Mark, and first time I heard of him was a missionary to Nigeria. We had, a couple of years ago, we had a missionary, Brother Cox, come through here and present uh, an effort they were making there in Nigeria to raise money to help folks who were getting saved and then just disowned by their family. And um, we had uh, some folks give toward that. I think our church raised about $10,000 to go toward Brother Holmes' ministry with that. And he called me to thank me for the donation, I said, well, it wasn't me that gave the $10,000, but you're welcome, all the same. And so uh, that began a friendship, and then this last summer, uh, we uh, got to spend some time together at, uh, at uh, the Summer Missionary Institute down in Louisiana. Got to know each other a little bit better, and I appreciate his heart. Uh, he and his wife are raising five kids in Nigeria, doing a great job with that, and he'll share with us through, throughout the week what God's using them to do. They've been there since 2005. And serving God and have just established a great ministry. There's churches being planted out of the church they planted. And we're rejoicing in how God's using them there in West Africa. So he'll be preaching for us this morning. He'll also be preaching for us Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. We hope you'll make the effort to be back out. I know your heart will be stirred. I heard him at 8.15. I know he's going to be a blessing to us now. So for the homes, if you'll come up this time, open up the Bible and be a blessing to us. We appreciate that. All right. Well, I am thrilled to be here, and I thought it was about to be one of those Louisiana presentations where I just get up and say, I'm Sabrina's husband, uh, and, uh, but I don't mind that. It, uh, it, I actually had a, a pastor introduce me as Mark Hopkins, and I told them, I said, my father-in-law was mean, but he did let me keep my name Amen. Uh, when I married his daughter, but... Uh, uh, it is such a privilege to be here, and uh, thank you so much for making it possible for my uh, my wife and I to uh, arrive here. We did spend three nights in Baton Rouge with my oldest son. He's in community college there and taking flight lessons. Uh, and then we just arrived here yesterday. Uh, had a, a, a already got gifts in the car on the way from the airport, in the hotel room, had a wonderful meal last night, and uh, so glad uh, to be taken care of and welcomed, and thank you for your hospitality. 
What an impressive video at the beginning. This is an international church. Amen. Uh, and to see the different uh, renderings of John chapter 3 and all those different languages. I got to speak in the Spanish uh, Sunday school during uh, just, a, just an hour ago. And uh, we are in a country in Nigeria with over 200 languages. Uh, and just in our church, uh, Truth Baptist Church, we average about 220 people. And I took a poll uh, one time because we had found out that the Jesus film had been uh, translated into many Nigerian languages. And I found out just in our church of 220 on Sunday morning, we have 38 languages represented in that church. Uh, I've gotten to know some of the uh, greetings in one of the major regional languages called Hausa. But still, it, uh, uh, when you're learning a different language, it has its difficulties and challenges. We were in a village once, and I was uh, talking to the chief, and I was trying to impress him with how much Hausa that I knew. And we went through all the greetings of how are you and how's the family and how's the work and how's your church. And I went to introduce him to my wife. And there's just a, uh, a small difference between uh, this is my wife, Matana, and this is your wife, Matanka. And instead of saying this is my wife, I said Matanka, this is your wife. And the chief reached out his arms as if to welcome my wife to himself. And uh, all the uh, staff members that I had brought with me were laughing. I turned beet red. Everybody enjoyed seeing me change colors. It was great. And uh, it, it can have its challenges. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to Second Corinthians chapter 8. Second Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to go through today uh, and Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night on four different faith promise actions in 2 Corinthians 8. Uh, now, don't worry. Uh, if you miss a night, that doesn't mean that you'll miss the whole program. Uh, it, we'll, we'll have uh, uh, four messages that will stand alone and that will help you, but I'd love for you to be a part of all four of course, uh, we've got an international dinner throughout the week, and uh, you're going to see different presentations, and so we'd love for you to be here, and uh, without a doubt, be here tonight to hear Brother Sisk, one of my heroes uh, in missions, and someone that I've had the privilege of getting around uh, in, in different uh, seasons of ministry. But Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8, uh, I, I want to go through uh, four different Faith promise actions. Uh, and the first one that we're going to look at uh, this morning is uh, the, the action of surrendering. The action of surrendering. If we're going to get involved in missions, and even in the uh, Spanish Sunday School, uh, they asked me a question of, uh, how did you uh, know that you were supposed to go to Nigeria? And what advice would you have to someone who is uh, looking to see where God wants him to go? The first advice that I would give to anybody is the first advice I believe that we see here in Second Corinthians 8, where Paul is, he is challenging the church at Corinth 
and he is uh, challenging them using the example of a church and churches at Macedonia. And he says about these churches at Macedonia that in verse number two, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their record, verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 8, I bear record, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Verse number 5, look at this, and this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us, by the will of God. Here was a church uh, that uh, Paul is, is uh, uh, writing to and challenging, had been a part of their beginning. Of course, we're in the second letter to the Corinthians. But as he's challenging them, he's using as an example churches at Macedonia who in a great trial of affliction and in deep poverty, God used them uh, to give, uh, many say, to the, uh, the, the, the poor saints at Jerusalem first, but also to Paul's ministry. And we see that in Philippians chapter 4. But uh, in a great trial of affliction and deep poverty, these people, first of all, gave themselves to the Lord. And they gave of themselves to us, or to Paul, and to his ministry, and uh, to that uh, first ascending church of Jerusalem. And uh, here we see that the first action, I believe, in faith promise, in involvement in missions, is to surrender. And we're going to see some other actions uh, throughout the week. I believe that uh, another action in faith promise missions giving is to purpose uh, in, in, in verses 6 and 7 of, uh, or excuse me, in verses 12 to 15 of 2 Corinthians 8. Uh, Paul talks about purposing in your heart. We should have a purpose to what we do. It should not just be flippant. We're not going to give uh, just when we have the extra money. Anybody have a bunch of extra money you just don't know what to do with? You want to stand up and testify? I didn't think so. Okay. We, we have to have a purpose. It's just not going to happen by accident. Just like you don't go soul winning ah, just when you have the extra time. You actually have to purpose in your heart that this is something you're going to do. And purpose in your heart that you're going to be a witness. Uh, you don't be a witness just when you feel comfortable about it. It's always kind of awkward. It's always a little bit uh, difficult. But uh, you purpose in your heart. Another action we're going to find out is uh, a performance. That once you have the purpose, you actually need to do it. You need to perform the doing of it. As uh, uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8 and verses 10 and 11. And then we're going to talk about proving. Uh, abounding. Uh, Jesus, uh, uh, Paul said to to the church that uh, when you give, you prove the sincerity of your love. And we're going to look at that, all of that this week. But first of all, I want to focus on that uh, subject of surrendering. And so I hope you don't mind. We're going to use our Bibles this morning. Because I want to prove to you a concept. Uh, look in Psalms 27. Psalms 27. And I want to teach you this morning on what it truly means to wait upon or to wait on the Lord. Uh, the ladies just uh, a few moments ago 
sang a song about mounting up as on, on, on eagle's wings. That is my pastor's favorite verse uh, in, in the Bible. Is Isaiah, Isaiah 40 and verse 31. Uh, that talks about uh, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with, ink, with wings as eagles. If you go into my pastor's office, he has all kinds of idols. I mean, he has all kinds of statues of eagles. I make fun of him and say they're idols, but uh, uh, he hates it when I do that. But he's not here, so I can say it. But, uh, 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 and, and he has uh, all kinds of statues of eagles with uh, that Isaiah 40 and verse 31 on it. Uh, what does it mean truly to wait upon the Lord? I want to show you from the scripture and I think we can get some great concepts from it. Uh, uh, Psalms 27 and verse 14, first of all, uh, we're go- we see uh, the other way that this is phrased in Psalms 27 and verse 14. It says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We already uh, quoted Isaiah 40 and verse 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, right? And so we see wait on the Lord, and we see wait upon the Lord. I want to show you from the Bible uh, uh, how these verses are, how these phrases are used in other places in the Scripture to kind of prove my point here. First Chronicles First Chronicles chapter 23, 1 Chronicles, where we see in Psalms 27 and verse 14, wait on the Lord. I want us to see what that means scripturally. The best way I know how to answer, how to explain something, a biblical concept is with the Bible. Is that okay? All right. 1 Chronicles 23 and verse 28. Now, I'm not going to go into the context so much, but... Uh, uh, the Lord is, is describing to us the office of the Levites. This is the priestly office in the nation of Israel. But I just want you to see uh, uh, how the Lord uses this phrase, waiting on. First Chronicles 23 and verse 28. The Bible says, because their office was to wait on the sons of Aaron for the service of the house of the Lord in the courts and in the chambers... And in the purifying of the holy things and the work of the service of the house of God. Here it is. Uh, God is describing this new office of the Levites and he says their job, their ministry, their purpose was to wait on the sons of Aaron. Now, what did it mean to wait on the sons of Aaron? Well, later in the verse, he uses the word service twice and the word work once. Uh, and, and he says, uh, he says that their office was to wait on the sons of Aaron for the service of the house of the Lord in the courts, in the chambers, in the purifying, and the work of the service of the house of God. You see, we have a concept that when we talk about waiting on or waiting uh, upon, we think many times it just means to sit and wait. All right? Uh, we, when I was in the in the Sunday school class, uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, preacher there he said uh, he said it's nine thirty, but people haven't shown up yet. We're still waiting for them to come. Amen. 
Uh, I said, don't worry, we have that kind of time in Nigeria also. Uh, there, there's African time, there's, uh, uh, there, there, there's uh, different, there, I've heard there's Filipino time, amen. And so we, we have this concept of waiting that we're just sitting and waiting. But here, uh, uh, God makes it clear that these Levites, their waiting on was for service and for work. All right, I'm coming. We, we, we just said, uh, we, we just talked about Isaiah 40 and verse 31 to wait upon. Now take your Bibles and turn to Psalms, Psalms 37. Go back to Psalms. We were at Psalms 27. Now go to Psalms 37. Psalms 37 and verse number 9. Psalms 37. And verse number 9. The Bible says, For evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Now, in, in, in Psalms and throughout Proverbs, uh, oftentimes when you see two statements here, uh, it, is, it is divided by a colon. Those two dots there, don't worry, I'm not going to give you a big grammar lesson. That's not what you came here for. But... Uh, that colon right in the middle of the two statements is almost like an equal sign. It's comparing uh, the two statements and is giving both statements equal weight. And he's saying that uh, evildoers shall be cut off and so shall, uh, so the, uh, equally in verse 9, it says that those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. And so we're comparing evil doers, those that are actually uh, actively doing evil with those that wait upon the Lord. It doesn't sound like those that wait upon the Lord are just sitting. You see, we have a, we have a concept that uh, waiting upon the Lord is just sitting and doing nothing, right? I have, uh, uh, in, 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 in uh, many different aspects of ministry, I've tried to recruit workers. And, and uh, when you recruit workers for ministry, hey, uh, you know, I want you to join us uh, in the bus ministry. I want you to join us uh, in going out soul winning on Saturday. I want you to join us uh, in, in uh, teaching a Sunday school class or assisting a Sunday school class or going out in the hospital ministry or prison ministry or, or a widow's ministry, whatever the case is. And so many times I will hear someone spiritually tell me, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Hello. Sometimes that, 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 uh, that just means, well, I'm just waiting on God to approve what I already want to do. Uh, and, and sometimes it means, well, I'm just waiting until God tells me to do something. But here in uh, Psalms 37, we have evildoers, people doing something evil to being compared to those who are waiting on the Lord, I think that means that they are doing something for God. Are you listening to me? Uh, and uh, in in, in uh, Psalms 37 and verse 9, it's compared to the, the grammar of waiting upon the Lord. In Isaiah 40 and verse 31, we've compared waiting on the Lord in Psalms 27, 14 and 1 Chronicles 23. Now take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Don't get too comfortable. Don't close your Bible. We're going somewhere else too. Acts chapter 1. 
What does it truly mean to wait upon the Lord or to wait on the Lord? Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, in uh, the in in this passage of scripture, we see that uh, Jesus is about to ascend to heaven. He's giving them basically the fifth rendering of the Great Commission. In uh, Matthew, it was uh, go ye therefore and teach all nations. In Mark, it was preach the gospel to every creature. In Luke, it was that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. In John, it was, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Here is uh, Jesus in the book of Acts saying, uh, Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. And then what happens in verse number 9? And when they had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now, I don't know if you have ever beheld someone lifting off into heaven. Anybody here want to testify that you've ever seen someone ascend into heaven? Uh, This is exactly what happened. Jesus speaks to them. Ye shall receive power. And then he lifts up. Uh, Now, uh, I think we can safely and understandably uh, realize what the disciples did. they, they, They were looking straight up. And they were beholding. The Bible says that they were steadfastly looking. Now, if you look up and you're only looking up, I can't even tell that there's people in the auditorium. Uh, The the Bible says that they were steadfastly looking up, so much so that they didn't even notice that an angel was in their midst. Any other time you see an angel that appears in Scripture, people hit their knees. Uh, People prostrate uh, people get afraid. These people are, had their, their, their sights so far up to heaven that they couldn't even tell that an angel was beside them. It says, uh, verse number 10, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as they went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. And there was no reaction. Two men stood by them in white apparel, and nobody did anything. Nobody got afraid. Nobody hit their knees. Nobody uh, prostrated. They were just looking steadfastly. I don't know what they were thinking, whether Jesus was just going to go and greet everybody in heaven and then come down immediately. Now, there are some that said that he didn't even ascend to heaven. He took a transcontinental flight to North America and preached to the people there. But we don't believe that. And uh, so I don't know what they were thinking there, that he was just going to come back immediately. And, and, and you can almost imagine the conversation that was going on. Two men in white apparel come up, and they say, hey, what are you doing? Oh, we're waiting for Jesus to come back. Because he said he was coming back, right? Well, what did he tell you to do? Well, he told us to go be witnesses. So what are you doing? What were they doing? They were waiting. Now, they could have pulled up chairs. 
grabbed a cooler, had some drinks and snacks, and waited there for years and years to come, and Pentecost never would have happened. Hello. They could have sat there and waited, and the church planting movement all through the book of Acts would have never happened. Now, I realize, look, 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 I understand there is a concept that we as the church, we are waiting for the Lord to return. And we are, we are uh, 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 joyously waiting for that blessed hope to appear. Are you listening to me? But waiting for the Lord is different than waiting on the Lord. Are you listening to me? Uh, and waiting on the Lord, the Bible says that waiting on the Lord, or uh, waiting upon the Lord is for service. It's for work. Uh, uh, waiting on the Lord in Psalms 37 is we're actually doing something for God. And so, yes, while we're waiting for the Lord to return, we need to understand what it means to wait on the Lord. Last night we were taken to a restaurant. And uh, I had, we had... We got seated at our tables, and what did we have that appeared with menus? We had a waitress, or a waitstaff, I guess we could uh, call it, and, uh, and, and, and there were waiters and there were waitresses. We still use that term, don't we? We had someone that came and waited upon us during that meal. And I think that is something that we have lost the concept of when we're reading the scriptures. Is that uh, in, in, in many ways we're supposed to be the best weight staff that we can be for our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we're supposed to be waiting upon the Lord just like that waitress came and waited upon our table last night. Uh, and, and there's some concepts that we can understand in, in this thing of waiting upon the Lord. First of all, uh, waiting on the Lord or waiting upon the Lord involves surrender. It involves surrender. Just as I was saying at the beginning in, in 2 Corinthians 8, I, I think we can see it here uh, in, in this concept of waiting on the Lord. The first thing that that lady did last night is she came to our table. She had the menus. And she introduced herself and she said, hello, my name is, I don't even remember her name, I think it was Tracy or something like that. But Hello, my name is Tracy. I'll be taking your order tonight. I wonder when's the last time we went before the Lord that way? Lord, it's me again. I'm going to be taking your orders today. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to be, that's what I'll be. I wonder when the last time we, when the last time is that we came before the Lord and said, Lord, I, 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 I'm just taking your orders. And as many times as you want me to come back, I'll come back and, and hear uh, as you expound upon those orders. And you tell me exactly what you want me to do. You see, waiting on the Lord involves surrender. There needs to be some time in our lives that we come before God. And you say, God, I, 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 I have some desires. I have some dreams. I have some thoughts. I, I have some ideas. But I just want to hear from you. And I want you to tell me what's the next thing to do. 
And that's exactly what we see. Uh, turn your, take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 4. Don't worry, this will be the last place that we turn. Philippians chapter 4. In Philippians chapter 4, I, I, I think we can see these uh, concepts of waiting on the Lord illustrated. Philippians chapter 4. And verse number 6. The Bible says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, Philippians 4 and verse 6, everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I have grown up, and I don't, I'm not trying to be sensational here, and I'm not trying to contradict anything else that's been taught, but I've been taught that supplication was just fervent prayer. I think it's more than that because here the Bible uses prayer and supplication here in the same verse. Supplication has a, a, an idea of getting yourself ready for the answer. Uh, if we believe that, that, that prayer is, what, what is our definition of prayer? Sometimes we just say it's talking to God. I think John Rice probably had the, 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 the best uh, definition of it. He said that prayer is asking and receiving. We're not just talking to someone up in the air somewhere. Uh, we believe that he is, Hebrew says, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. If prayer is asking and receiving, then there has to be some kind of concept of us getting ourselves ready for the answer. You realize that so many of our prayers go unanswered because we're not ready for the answer? God knows that he, if He poured upon us everything that we asked, that it, would, it might change us negatively. It, it, I had a lady come up to me uh, one time in, in, in church and she said, Pastor, pray for my husband to lose his job. Yeah. I, said, I did the same thing. I kind of chuckled. I said, excuse me? <laughs> she said, no, pray for my husband to lose his job. She said, every time he gets a high-paying job, he changes. He gets proud. He walks differently. He treats people differently. He said, I'd, I'd like for him to lose it again and get humble again. Now, I... I don't know. They didn't teach us how to respond to a request like that when we were in Bible college training for ministry. Amen. Uh, and, and so uh, I, 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 I prayed and I counseled with them. But, but this, is a, this is an illustration of many times our prayers go unanswered because God knows if he answered every request that we had uh, without surrendering to him, without humbling ourselves before him, without thanking him and bringing ourselves before him uh, in, in gratification, uh, then, my friend, uh, it would change us negatively. Are you ready for the answer? I believe that's what supplication has to do with. It's getting ourselves ready for the answer. Uh, when, when God answers your prayers, are you, are you going to thank Him for it? Are you going to spend as much time in thanksgiving as you did in requesting? Uh, when, when God brings the answer, are you, uh, are you going to use it for His honor and His glory? Uh, when, 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 you bring, when God brings the answer, uh, are you going to... Render unto the church. 
Are you going to be obedient? Are you going to tithe, bring an offering, give to missions? Uh, when, when, we, when we talk about these things of answering prayers, how many of you prayed over a lottery ticket before? No, don't, don't raise your hand. I'm just joking. Uh, but, I mean, just think. There are so many prayers that go unanswered. Why? Because the one praying has not surrendered himself to God. You see, waiting on the Lord involves surrender. It involves surrender. It involves coming to God and saying, God, I, I, I'm ready to do what you want me to do. I'm ready for, uh, to go where you want me to go. Secondly, I believe the, 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 the uh, waiting on the Lord invo- involves service. Uh, in uh, verse number 7, or excuse me, uh, verse number 9, excuse me. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the peace of God shall be, or, and the God of peace shall be with you. Uh, verse uh, seven talks about, and the peace of God which hath all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We all want the peace of God, don't we? So many times, though, we use the peace of God just like we misuse that term of waiting on the Lord. I have recruited people for service before. I mean, my, my wife and I are involved in two churches. We've seen basically every ministry in those churches uh, start up from the, the ground up and recruited workers for them and trained people for those different ministries. And, and uh, sometimes I'll come to someone and say, hey, you know, I'd love for you to come and be involved in the deaf ministry. We've got people that can tra- uh, 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 train you in the, in the, the, the language, the sign language, and, and uh, we want you to get involved in the deaf ministry. And I had someone say, well, I just don't have peace about that. Too many times, and I realize that the peace is uh, it's obviously a biblical concept, but I, I want you to notice uh, where, where God puts this in order. In verse 9 it says, Those things which you have both learned, receive. You learn, receive something. You hear something. You do it. Then, and the God of peace shall be with you. You see, the peace of God is not something that we use to determine whether we should serve God. Hello. That, that's an emotion. If the peace of God is just an emotion then we've become just like the world. Or if it feels good, do it. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. We're not supposed to be ruled by our emotions. You see, the peace of God is not something that should guide whether I should serve God or not. The peace of God is something that keeps my heart and mind in Christ Jesus while I'm serving the Lord. You're not going to... The whole, the whole thing about faith is you can't see it. Well, well, if I see it, I'll believe it. That's not living by faith. God calls you to do something by faith. You're not going to be able to see it. You're not, it's not going to feel good. You're going to be taking a step, and you don't know where you're going to land. And that doesn't feel very peaceful when you're stepping out by faith. Hmm? That doesn't feel uh, like it, 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 it's supposed to feel good. No, the peace of God is something that keeps you while you're serving the Lord. Uh, every, uh, every time that, that we had come back on furlough before, 
we first went to the field in, in 2005. We had a, uh, Joseph was 18 months. Our first five furloughs were to have babies. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, and uh, we averaged uh, having a child about every two years. We averaged having a furlough about every two years. And so, uh, and uh, my, my, my wife uh, was advised when we would uh, come home to, to get home about eight weeks before the baby was born. And then we needed to stay for that, that, that first two-month appointment with the pediatrician. And so uh, many times uh, we were going back with a two-month-old, an eight-week-old eight or a nine-week-old. And we would take uh, each of these little infants to our county health clinic uh, before we would go back to the field. And because they have, uh, they have immunizations for hepatitis A, hepatitis B, they have uh, immunizations for all kinds of things uh, that uh, we're, we're at a, in a, a port city in Gulfport. And so uh, we could get uh, different travel vaccines that were uh, unique to our place. In that health department, they had maps uh, probably had nine or ten maps of if you are going to this region or if you're going to this country, you need this vaccine. Nigeria was on every one of those maps. Uh, amen. <laughs> it is, I mean, uh, of course, uh, uh, AIDS is, is, is rampant there. Uh, the hep A, hep B, uh, there's a typhoid vaccine uh, that you can take, uh, and, and we still have polio in Nigeria, uh, and uh, it was it was everywhere. Now, uh, when when I would look at those maps and think about all the shots my child was about to take, and think about bringing a nine-week-old back to that area of the world, I didn't have much peace about it. Hello. I wasn't excited about bringing uh, my child back to. We've had uh, we've had three staff members die of, of hepatitis C uh, in Nigeria. Uh, we've had uh, uh, we've had at least a half a dozen college students that were uh, that were HIV positive that that, that came through our college and, and uh, it's just it's just everywhere. I didn't have peace about every time going back to Nigeria. It's amazing what would happen when we'd step off the plane every time. Once we landed in Abuja with our kids. There's something that kept our hearts and minds. There's something that when we said we'll go, when we said, uh, yes, we'll follow, when we, when we followed what uh, God said, when we asked uh, God wherever you want me to go and whatever you want me to be, and He said, go be a missionary to Nigeria. When we did that and we stepped off the plane, there's something that kept our hearts and minds. It was the peace of God. And there's something that when you step out by faith and when you don't know how it's going to be provided for and you've never done this before and you've never launched out like that and you've never followed the voice of God, something will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's unexplainable. It passes all understanding. We can't explain to relatives how we call Nigeria home, but it's the peace of God that allows us to do that. 
it's a peace of God that will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus when you step out by faith and when you follow the Lord, whether it means giving or going or whatever it means, the peace of God is there and it will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Don't wait until it feels right to do something. When God moves on your heart, do it. And then God will give you something, the peace of God, to keep your heart and mind. You see, when you're waiting upon someone, it involves work. It involves service. I'm sure the folks at the restaurant last night, they didn't all feel like being there. <laughs> uh, it's work. It's hard work to be a wait staff. It's hard work to go and serve someone. But waiting on the Lord involves service. Waiting on the Lord also involves pleasing the person that you're waiting upon or satisfying that person. I think that's illustrated in verse number 8 of Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on those things, or think on these things. Uh, you see, I think uh, God's given us a list here on just how to please the Lord. Uh, it's not that uh, uh, all of these things are absolutely uh, required every moment of the day, but if you want to please the Lord, if you want to make God happy, think on these things. Dwell on these things. Uh, make these things a part of your life. Uh, when we when we serve someone, when we uh, 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 come uh, to to uh, uh, waiting on or waiting upon someone, hey, we want to make the, the the waitress, the waiter, the wait staff wants to make the customer happy, don't they? Uh, you know, you don't want to be in a restaurant where they just throw the food at you, right? Uh, you don't want to be in a restaurant where they just uh, don't even have a smile on their face or. Uh, I, I, uh, I enjoy going to restaurants where they think ahead of time about what you need before you even ask. Now, when I go into a restaurant with six kids, uh, that means giving us a pile of napkins about that high. Because there's a mess about to be made somewhere. Uh, and <laughs> I, I, now, I go to uh, restaurants and I, I want... We didn't have this last night. I don't know. And I don't think I'm going to find it while I'm here. It's sweet tea. Uh, I, I'm a strange person that uh, after boiling the tea, we add a bunch of sugar to it. Amen. And then you throw it on ice and that's sweet tea. Don't worry. Our Nigerian folks haven't understood it either. Uh, Ni Nigeria, it's 106 degrees and they're still drinking hot tea. Uh, yes, and uh, but but that's okay. I I uh, we we came back one time on furlough and it was it was 28 degrees and we were looking for a Dairy Queen, Amen, for ice cream. And so we got weird things that we do too. But uh, the, the 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 thing is that uh, I I like you, you always like going somewhere where the, the 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 waitress or the waiter and the wait staff they want to make you happy, right? We ought, we ought to have that as our desire. We ought to want to please God. 
God gives us a list of how we can please Him, of thinking on these things. And, and, and waiting upon the Lord, it involves surrendering ourselves to Him, it involves serving Him, but it also involves making Him happy. Not just doing our duty, but while we're doing our duty, thinking on good things, uh, praising God on every step of the way, pleasing Him. And then waiting on the Lord, lastly, involves a reward. It involves a reward. I said it involves surrender and service and satisfying or pleasing, and it involves a reward. Those verses that we read at the beginning was not just because they're familiar, but because it teaches us something about waiting upon the Lord. The Bible says in, in Psalms 27 and verse 14, the text verse that we read, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. I think you, you may have even sung the, the Scripture verse 4. We, we sing it all the time in our church. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage. Wait on the Lord, and He shall strengthen thine heart. Too many times, though, we want the second part of the verse before we do the first part. We want the strengthened heart before we surrender, before we serve, before we please Him. That'd be like uh, sitting at the table and uh, the, the host uh, brings us to the table and sits us down and, and uh, Tracy comes with the, the uh, uh, menu and she sits it down and she says, I, uh, my, my name's Tracy today. And by the way, I'd like that tip right away. <laughs> Anybody ever had that happen? Yeah. Not going to happen, is it? But so many times, we look up to God and say, God, if, if you'd make me stronger, or, you know, if, if you'd take away the fear, or if you'd give me courage, or, you know, if, if you'd take away this, this, uh, this, this uh, uh, second guessing that I have with faith, and if you'd make me stronger, then I would serve you. That's not how it works. God says, you wait on me first, and then I'll strengthen your heart. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Ah, help me for a second. Do I need renewed strength when I'm sitting? When I'm doing nothing? When I'm just waiting for? And again, yes, I'm waiting for the Lord to come. I want Him to come today. I want Him to come back now. Hey, that, that blessed hope of Jesus is coming soon. But while I'm waiting for the Lord, I need to be surrendered unto Him. While I'm waiting for the Lord, I need to be serving Him. While I'm waiting for the Lord, I need to be pleasing Him. And that's when the promise comes that they shall mount up with wings as eagles and they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. It comes when you wait upon Him. You're not running while you're sitting. You're not, you're not walking while you're in the chair. And don't worry, don't, don't run right now, okay? I want you to sit in the chair right now, okay? But the, the, the thing is, hey, I don't need my strength renewed if I'm not serving. I, I don't need... I don't need my 
uh, uh, my heart strengthened if I'm not surrendered and serving and pleasing Him. But when I come to Him, and I want to be that best waiter or waitress that I can for Him, then He's got a promise for me. He's got a reward. I'll strengthen your heart. When you step out by faith and you're afraid and you don't know what to do and everybody's calling you crazy, I've got peace for you to keep your heart and mind. When you serve me and when you, when you uh, go out and do the things that I want you to do, I, I'll let you know that you're pleased with me. That's waiting on the Lord. See, the power of missions, the power that comes is not by a great name or a great missionary and great works. And no, it's by surrendering to a great God, first and foremost. And it can be done by every single person in this room. Not just by the missionaries, not just by the pastor, not just by someone who gave a lot last year. Every single person in this room needs to know what it means to wait upon, to surrender to God. Would you bow your heads please? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. When is the last time that you've come to God and said, God, it's, it's me again. And, and I'm going to be taking your order. Is there something that's caused you to be afraid? Is there something that's caused you not to have peace? There's something God wants you to do. You say, wow, if I was like this person or that person, I could do it. If I was stronger, I could do it. Now God wants you to jump right in. Serve. Please Him. He'll strengthen your heart.